Faith family, um, we just finished listening to Kent Shepherd preach through Hebrews chapter 9, verses 23 through 28. His title was, The Perfect Priest Plus the Perfect Sacrifice Equals uh, Salvation Perfected. And so uh, the Lord met with us, and we're grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So let's just uh, talk a bit about the sermon. Um, anything that really stuck out to you just on an over, overflow? Overfly. <laughs> you know, I obviously I like the backgrounds because it gets mm. me in where I need to be uh, yes. in that, that frame of mind. And since I've been in that uh, Kent's class, we've talked about this, but the visualization of the amount of coagulated, nasty blood. Good, good word alert. Good word alert. Okay. That's, Can you make that pop on the screen, yeah. Matthew? <laughs> that is not, um, there's nothing pretty about it. Mm. And what it f- should force me to see, uh, you know, it is representing um, what's required to cover my nasty sin. Mm. And so that, that really, just a quick look, mm. that really got me in the frame of mind of, what Kent's taken us through, yes. and it began with the filthiness of my condition. Mm, that's good. Mm. And you've been in his small group, so mm-hmm. you've been with walking through Hebrews with him for the entire time. So this right. was just the next verses for right. you. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of us, we it was brand new. Right. You know, we hadn't mm-hmm. been in this book, but he did an excellent job of just you know reorienting us to where we are in the scriptures and. Yeah. and getting into those verses. Yeah. Anything stick out specifically to you? One of the lines he said that Jesus was the offerer and the offering, mm. like, yes. it's just helpful to hear things that we know are, are true just in, just in a, uh, even a slightly different way. And, yes. and just being able to, to picture that as, like, this is such a unique thing that Jesus did as the high priest that it, it, that it then makes sense. You know, you can, I could put myself in, like, what... The, the people receiving this letter from from the, the author of Hebrews of like, man, this is why we're still kind of like on the outskirts of this new faith. Because we have the Old Testament, and the Old Testament yes. is so full of like what we're supposed to do and why we're supposed to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense that God would be the, the one that's the actual offering. It would make sense that he's the offerer, but right. then why is he also the offering? Yeah. So it's just that, it's that constant, like the good news is, I mean, it is good news. Yes, so. yes. Even those pictures he showed, I thought was very helpful. Mm-hmm. I had seen the one of the tabernacle before. Mm-hmm. The other one with all the oh, little yeah, the encampment around. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't seen that. I really, I really yeah. liked that. Um, <clears throat> I thought his intensity, I wrote down, um, it reminded me of Jonathan Edwards. His fire and urgency in the message, you know, he was like, he was very urgent mm-hmm. with it. And I thought that was powerful. Yes. Um, of, of course, you know, he spoke my language with his chart, <laughs> with the three views of heavenly things. Yeah. But what a, what a great explanation of those heavenly things and showing how good men who love the Lord fall in different places mm-hmm. on how you interpret those two words. Right. Yeah, right. I thought that was really good. Um, do, do you remember when he said sins of ignorance? Yes. And how all of these sacrifices took care of the sins of ignorance, yes. but they didn't take care. That was just, oh, so good, but didn't take care of willful sins. Right. And then so he let that rest on you for yeah. such a long time. And then at the end, he took it to Christ who, 
who took care of your sins of ignorance, but also your open, willful sins. It was like a, he had hit a chime there, too, because it was in the back of my mind. I was like, that is right. It's not. It wasn't if I purposefully looked at a woman and lusted after her. It was if I did something that I didn't know, you know, the, the, in the ignorance. And uh, that makes the whole sacrificial, uh, sacrificial system, I mean, that, does, that just, once again, forces me to want something better. Uh, and so being able to follow that argument uh, that the writer of Hebrews had in, in general. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's good. That when he said 80, 80 high priests, and he started from the beginning to more towards the end, I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't heard scholars speak on yeah. just how, how many there yes. have been. So that was good. Um, let's talk about... You know, he had, he had two applications. So he, ha- he, had his, he had his point. Let's talk about his points first. Sorry. So he started out with a better sacrifice is required to purify sins. Then he just kind of walked through verse 23. Um, I mean, each point was very gospel-centered, but especially there. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about a better high priest is required to mediate between God and man. And that's when he talked about the sins of ignorance and the, and the will for sins. Yes. And then his, his, his third movement was there's only one high priest capable of offering a better sacrifice. And, um, man, that's just, when, that's just when the passage kind of mm-hmm. opened up mm-hmm. so much. I thought he did an excellent job of bringing the Old Testament, um, New Testament, yeah. Yeah. Old Covenant, yeah, New you, Covenant. You can't. You know, once again, we're showed through the book of Hebrews by itself that we cannot disconnect from the Old Testament, can we? Mm, yes. And this audience, uh, that's all they had, at that. Yes. I assume, at that point. That's all they pretty much had, plus this letter or whoever's right. saying this type of thing. So all that is to, once again, point us to the better sacrifice. Yes. And he talked about sacrifices a lot and priests a lot. So, um, I mean, he really unpacked which, you know, we're, we're elders here, so we get some unique questions at times mm-hmm. uh, from non-Christians. And one of those questions is, you know, why do you not offer an animal sacrifices anymore? Mm-hmm. They were so common in, in the Old Testament. Um, and he answered that, because Christ is the full and final sacrifice. Right. Um, wh- why do we not call you priest Daniel Hurd right. instead of just, you know, elder Daniel Hurd? Right. Well, Christ is the full and, full and final priest. Uh, anything else you want to jump on just on that area or anything I, I think else? In, you know, some people have a hard time getting their minds wrapped around something like animal sacrifices because we just mm-hmm. never, we never do it. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is as, as he's it just, I mean, people sacrifice things every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, like people put, the, people put their children on the altar of their career. They are willing to sacrifice their kids for whatever it is that they want. They're willing to sacrifice, like you name it. Mm. Like people often think that this is disconnected from everyday life. Mm. And that like God just came up with this weird system for dealing with sin. It's like, no, he just came up with what, like humans are just going to sacrifice. Mm. And they're gonna do anything and offer their worship to anyone or anything but God himself. And, and uh, uh, toward the end of the sermon, we, and I know we'll get to the application, but like that was just that was just really driven home. Uh, yeah, with, let's, with, let's hit that. So his yeah. first application uh, was for non-Christians, 
And um, he, he really talked about death because the text talked about death yes. and saying you can't blow off you can blow off different appointments, and then he gave some, you know, dentist and a lot of right. these others, which I thought was interesting. Um, but, but you can't blow off this appointment, and I thought that was really gospel-centered, speaking directly to the non-Christian, mm-hmm. which is so appropriate for our church because we have um, not non-Christians every Sunday that visit mm-hmm. with us. Yeah, and it, the, the the idea of just, I mean, like with, with appointments, and he, he mentioned this, like. We, we can set those appointments or, or, and, then, and then fail to live up to them. Like, there, there is a coming day. I mean, that was just such a, uh, that was very moving, even just thinking about this. There is this coming day, yes. and it is appointed. And, like, I, uh, as a Christian, thank God there's not, like, I don't go home in existential angst every day right. after the Sunday sermon. I'm like, Oh man, that's what if it's not? It's just no. I have surety because of everything yes. that Jesus has done as High Priest. Yes. So it's just yes. it was such a helpful push for people to repent yeah. from sin. That that was when I wrote uh, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. I just yeah. sinners in the hands of an angry yes. God. That oh, was yeah. sinners in the hands of an angry God moment there. Application one. Um, yeah, that was just that was just really really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then the second application was more toward um, Christians, and um, anyone want to anyone want to speak on that or jump on that one? I mean, that was really he was reiterating. That's when he was bringing it all to Christ. Yeah, I thought it was, when he when he mentioned this in the verse because it says Jesus is coming back again, not to deal with sin, but to mm. save those who eagerly are waiting for him. Some people could take that to mean. Well, he's not going. He's not going to judge. Right. That's not. But but, oh, it, it was just so clear in the sermon. No, he's not coming again to die for sin. Like he's yes. done mm-hmm. suffering for sinners. That was a one-time thing, and it was just such a. Uh, again, that was, that was very. It was very powerful and moving to uh, realize that when he comes again, he is not coming again as uh, in, in humiliation, but in exaltation. Yes. With, with might and with power. Yes. And not in the um, way that a lot of people think that Jesus is the meek and the mild and mm-hmm. uh, as maybe the first time he's coming right. back as an avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. of, and, um, you know, as, as the, the saints are to look forward to that day. Mm-hmm. The, um, those that are lost in their sin should fear that day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was a really good treatment of the text. I thought from beginning to end, I thought he got the author's intent. Um, he he had a common theme. He exegeted it well, and then he applied it to his audience really really well. Because that first application may not be good for every audience, but for right. our audience, it's it's really good. So you got to know your audience. You got to you got to mm-hmm. got to know your church. Um, but really good. I've got one more thing here, but before we go to that, anything else you want to jump in and say? Okay. Let's talk about, um, we had a different order of service today. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a different service because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the elders wasn't speaking, but also it's a different service because we typically have a song, a, a scripture reading, a song, a scripture reading, a song, I preach, and then, you know, we continue that pattern throughout the end. Uh, we, we didn't split up the songs with scripture readings today. We, we had a theme where we were singing through the ages. Mm-hmm. And so we had, uh, awesome. we started in the 6th century. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we ended in the 8th 
1800s. And so that was, that was really neat. I like singing through the ages and then how Matthew brought out uh, different things in each age, some Christian things, uh, what God was doing evangelistically during those times, but also some, some non-Christian things, you know, some things that were going on that were, were not pleasing to the Lord during those times. And I thought that was just so fitting um, in the time we're in now. Like, there's, God's going to be doing some things that's very obvious, and then there's very obvious going to be some wicked things going on, but God's people sing throughout the ages. Yes. No, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, we're going to both be too polite. I know. That's what it is. <laughs> and this is going to go on forever. Yeah, you think about, like, like, oh, my goodness, Genghis Khan coming yes. in with his Mongol horde. Like, like talk about... Talk about an end of the world kind of experience for many, many people, and and for and it was end of the world, ending of the world for them, for many of them, and just to think like there's just been faithful, godly, committed, yeah. quiet Christians, yeah. and and the one thing that is distinct of us is it is that I think you mentioned this at the beginning, or maybe Matthew did, like we we sing, yes, uh, we we are very different from religions of, of the world and that we, we sing praises to a God who, who hears us by the work that he's done. We don't sing because <laughs> we, we are trying to gain favor with God. Right. And that's why the songs are so beautiful mm. and they're, they're so joyful. Mm. And, uh, you know, in, I, we share a connection with that person who wrote uh, that song 1,500 years ago, mm-hmm. who may have not been influenced with the Mongols, but he was living around a pagan culture uh, that believed in human sacrifice and that worshipped inanimate objects and things like that. And like you said, just the, the, the faith in his Christ in, that transcends that 1,500 years. And, you know, I'm, I'm all about a mighty fortress, whether I, I can knew, sing it or not. The, the reformer, yes. Yes. And, and I'm just, whether you can sing it or yeah, not. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm just like, I want to just yell it out uh, because that's important uh, the, the, and not just to sing the words, but listen yes. to what's or watch what's being said on there. Mm-hmm. And knowing when, in my mind, knowing that he wrote that during a dark, dark period yes. in his life. Yes. And, and I, I can draw strength from that. It's not this, you know, it's just that connection. Yes. Yeah. The Reformation song. So we started in 560, uh, Be Thou My Vision. Then we moved to uh, 1225, all creatures of our God and King, and um, how we're joining creation in praise of God. Uh, you spoke a lot about Mighty Fortresses, our God, you know, Reformation song. Um, and then we had the sermon. Then we, we had another one here in 1779, Amazing Grace. And how I thought, he did a, I thought Matthew did a really good job of unpacking the history of that as well. And 1779, you were born, what, a year after that? Or a year? <laughs> You know how to respond to that. There it is. There it is. All right, so then we went from 1779 to uh, 1863. My hope is built on nothing less. And then yeah. even how he talked about, you know, the chorus, how our songs today are very chorus-driven, mm-hmm. and they were not historically, but we have this chorus in this song. So uh, I thought it was just a good day. I thought it the was. Lord met with us from beginning to the end. Yes. And um, just one of those days where you don't want to leave. Um, as we hear people still talking. Yeah. I haven't yeah. left yet. Here, yeah. so that's that's, right. that's yeah. a good thing. All right, Faith Family Church, uh, we love you. We look forward to being with you next Sunday when we pick back up in the book of Ecclesiastes. God bless. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. 
We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.